Hi, and welcome to MR Explorer, where friends Z Johnson and Christina Perkins get together on a regular basis to learn and explore different topics regarding the market research industry. Welcome to today's episode. We hope you enjoy. Hey, Christina, how's it going? I'm good. How are you, Z? I'm doing great. Good. We have... Yeah, we started this journey talking about diversity, equity, and inclusion in market research at the end of last year. At the end of last year, yeah. I mean, we've been brainstorming this idea and trying to get it in the works since August, September, and we started doing these interviews, I want to say October. I think the first episode went live in November. It's been a long journey. It's been a long It has been. It has been. And it's not over. It's not, it's not completely over. No, but this felt like a really great time to take a step back, check in and just, there's so much that we've learned. Like this has truly been an incredible journey with all of our guests and learning so many things, so many different viewpoints. Mm -hmm. So why don't we start there? Um, I think that's a great plan because also who would we be if not market researchers that needed to debrief and wallow after a set of guys? <laughs> the DEI debrief. Let's do it. <laughs> oh, I love it. I mean, I think I've just had such a phenomenal time just communicating with everybody that we talk to. And then interviewing them, talking to them afterwards, being able to connect with them on LinkedIn, um, being able to see some of the opportunities that have come up since we've spoken with them. Yeah. I just, um, and then I think like using what we learned in our interviews, like I've had a chance to use that in my everyday work life. Mm -hmm. And it's just been so valuable for me. I know it's been valuable for other people that have listened to this series, but I think that there are some conclusions that we can draw between all of the conversations that we've had of like, what are some of those threads that we can start to, to put together? Yeah, Yeah. Really pull through what our next steps are, what is, how, where is market research going? None of this is done. We are not done. We have 100% just scratched the surface. It's been just about one year since George Floyd. And there are so many more conversations to have. um, And I'm really excited to have them. Yeah. And I think that's, that's probably the first thread that, that we have heard from every single one of our guests um, from the very beginning was almost this, I'm not going to say it was a plea, but a little bit of a plea of Mm -hmm. please don't let this be the only conversation that you have. Yep. Please don't let this be a one and done deal because that's what's been happening and that isn't working. Mm -hmm. It's not working. It doesn't get us anywhere. Uh, one and done isn't how you solve any problem right? and get used to just being uncomfortable, right? Yeah. Have those really uncomfortable conversations, have 
you know, that empathy with the human being that's sitting across from your computer screen, really. Right, right. And just just talk, you know, like you can start a conversation, you can ask folks that you think might be affected by some of the 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 fight for social justice or um having been impacted by a loss of accessibility in one conference or something that you've heard about you can ask them how yeah. they're doing and if they're yeah. open to talking about it have that conversation learn and i think what we heard so much is almost this like, yes, have the conversation. Don't be afraid of it. But also like, can you please just stop talking and just like, listen, you know what I mean? And I think that that is so valuable of whatever preconceived notions that you have, if you have not experienced, if, if you don't have the lived experience to be able to talk to it, please just listen and ask questions. And try not to be a savior. Yeah. You know what I, you're making me think of every single one of our, our guests, um, up to and including Marianne, mm-hmm. right. Who came not from a, an ethnic standpoint, not from a multicultural standpoint. She came at this from a, I'm a blind woman in the market research industry standpoint. And still it was that combination of, please ask. Like, it doesn't hurt to ask, please ask. But also, like you said, that once you ask, step back and listen to the other person, Mm -hmm. like let the other person answer, however they're going to answer, but let them answer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. And I think it, it speaks to also when we, when we talked to Pepper, our very first interview, um, that it's not just about your coworkers or people that you work with, but there is a huge benefit of going and talking to the demographic that you have not talked to before. So when she was talking to us about how important it really is to dig deep and to be able to connect with the Black audience, your Black audience, your potential Black audience, your missing Black audience, that gap in your research, like we asked, how important is it? you know, to talk to them. And of course it's, you know, so important. We're missing so much by not even extending the effort to listen to them and to make them comfortable to talk um, and not um, to place anybody. And this goes across the board, no matter who you're talking to, if you're conducting qualitative research, you need to be making your participants very comfortable in the setting that they're in or the insights that you will be uh, collecting are going to be contrived. They're not going to be true. Yep. I was listening to um, another Mario Carrasco. He was another one of our guests that we had. And yet again, talking on his podcast about the need to dig a little bit deeper. Mm -hmm. And I think it goes, like you were talking about, going a little deeper with the people who are participating in your research to say, please, please, bring your full self to this research. But there's also the, sometimes when your data doesn't make sense, there's a reason behind that. And if you don't have people on your team 
who do have that lived experience in that culture that you are measuring, you're going to write it off. Yeah. Right. Like looking at the, well, cause his example um, of having uh, translated a website, an e-commerce website all into Spanish, but that wasn't where the orders were coming from. There wasn't an increase on the number of orders on that website, but there was an increase on the English website and the the customer almost being ready to just say that was a waste of time right when what actually was happening was the spanish speakers were finding what they wanted on the spanish website and going to their english speaking family members to say can you please put this order in for me because it's a huge missed piece of the culture to realize that that older demographic, because I think it was an older demographic that they were trying to connect with, they aren't banked. They're unbanked. Right. They don't have credit cards and they are not comfortable with providing their information online. And if you don't have that cultural context, of course you give up on some of your initiatives because maybe you think they're not working. Yeah. That's not what, that's not what's happening. Yeah. It could be one of the most successful initiatives that your company has ever had. Yep. And you're going to discount them. Yep. But then we sh- let's talk a little bit too about like Sia and Tatenda from Core because there's also the if you can't see it you can't be it. But Sia was right there and she was amazing talking about how she just decided to go ahead and be it. That she she went in and she was like, look, I, I didn't see other people who looked like me who were going through market research and who were entering this industry. And so I just felt like, hey, I'm just I'm going to go make it happen. Yeah. And I think there is a lot to be said for the people like her who have that courage and have that tenacity to go down that path. But there's also a call to the rest of us that we need to be sure that in inside the walls of the market research community, we are both helping, sustaining, recruiting, keeping, and training and promoting all of our colleagues, especially our colleagues of color. Agree. And I think like it's we have to be so grateful for people that say. I don't see anybody like me, but I'm going to be the first one to do it. Right. And I'm going to take that, that challenge. And I, I'm going to be uncomfortable because I'm not going to let anybody else tell me that I shouldn't be comfortable. Yep. That yes, we need those people. We need them so badly. But to your point on the inside, it's not just, we need to promote them. We need to nurture them. We also need to be proactive in creating an environment that somebody can be comfortable coming in. Like, yeah, we shouldn't have, and this goes again, and we talked about this with Tatenda and Sia, um, and I think with Melissa and Anaceli, is this these conversations, of course, go way beyond the market research industry. And did we oh, hear from absolutely. any of our um, 
any of our interviewees that they like felt super uncomfortable in their individual workplaces or anything like that. No, which is so great not to hear. Right, right. We talked to five people, you know, <laughs> like we. Yeah. <laughs> I like if I have felt uncomfortable sometimes in my workplace, there are other people that have felt uncomfortable in their workplace due to whatever the reason. Um, But if it is due to especially race, ethnicity, accessibility constraints, creating an uncomfortable environment, like that's on the people that are already on inside the walls to be able to cultivate a space where somebody feels comfortable coming in, even if they don't see themselves. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think another takeaway that we had there from every single one of our guests that we had on the podcast for this series so far was the finding themselves in a position where they became the educator. Yeah. And kind of that reluctance, like I, that's not what I intended to do. That's, that's not who I expected to be. I graduated college and I was like, you know what I'm going to (laughs) do? I'm going to go be a co-founder for CORE. Yes. That's exactly what was on my bucket list when I graduated. But where would we be without them? Absolutely. Without any one of the incredible human beings that we, that we talked to. Right. If Pepper wasn't Pepper and creating those Black only focus groups where she herself goes in and says, hey, be yourself here. I need you to be yourself here because I need your voice. I need to be able to provide your input to my customers. If we didn't have Anaceli coming through and being like, this is a huge opportunity to enter into this space and to build this community and, and educate. And if we didn't have the people like Sia and Tatenda focused on recruitment, how do we get people of color into the market research field to begin with, Mm -hmm. let alone how do we keep them there and how do we make sure that we promote them and put them in leadership roles and really really extract the value that they bring to the, to the industry. Just every single one of, of these people that we had is such a huge contributor to the culture that we need to build. And I think one of the other things I took away was it takes a long time to build that culture. It takes a long time to build that culture and it, it can't be one person, right? Like, It doesn't just, it takes a long time. It takes investment. It takes of time and talent and dollars. And it takes beyond surface level uh, belief that it's important. Yes. This was a thing that that I heard in Marianne um, in her interview that I, I just absolutely loved. Mm-hmm. I hadn't heard the phrase before, and I think she may have coined it, was the diversity philosophy mm-hmm. and how if your organization, no matter how small, no matter how big, has an actual diversity philosophy, mm-hmm. it changes how you operate compared to your peers who don't necessarily have that diversity philosophy. And there's a difference between having a diversity 
philosophy and just like, I don't know, having a more diverse recruiting effort, right? Like there is a difference between having a philosophy as a core value to your organization and your company and, and those surface level, like, well, we're going to use a different recruiter or we're just going to try to create this one product, but like, right. And try to get it out on the shelves and you don't have any of the other investment. You don't have the marketing investment. You don't have the research investment. You don't have the people inside of your doors to tell you that like you are missing the mark, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think, um, I don't know if we mentioned this in our Marianne interview, but that was actually the second interview that we had done with her yes. um, because our first one um, succumbed to the 2021 technological challenges that you know, <laughs> we're surprised hasn't happened before. But I want to highlight something that she said in her first interview that unfortunately folks haven't been able to hear, but was also like just mind blowing and incredible And she told us when she was telling us about how she got into market research, she, uh, and, and where she hopes that the industry goes in the future. She said the sentence, um, talking about like how managers should be approaching recruiting or interviewing folks that might have accessibility challenges. (laughs) She said the phrase, and I want it on a t-shirt. And she said the phrase, I am your solution, not your problem. Yep. And I wrote it down in all capital letters. I've literally had it on a post-it note upstairs, like sitting in the office that my husband works in and I don't work in. One day I'll see the post-it note again. And um, it was just, that's the mind shift. Yeah. It needs to happen. Like, yes. I mean, not the only one, but I think it could be a really great uh, starting point. Yeah. Like it's one of the ones, you know, I just, yeah, I just loved it. I just loved it. I also appreciated, I think it was during our interview with Pepper. um, I, you know, listening to where should we be? Where could we be? versus where we are or where a lot of organizations are. And I think during that interview, I had I had kind of said, well, you know, but we have people who are kind of doing these diversity and inclusion things kind of as a check the box yeah. kind, of, kind of exercise. I really appreciated Pepper pointing out, sometimes that's where you got to start. If you find that you are not ready to make that complete mind shift of having an actual diversity philosophy is one of the core values of your institution, then let's start somewhere. Let's start with a checkbox. Mm-hmm. Let's start with those littler things, those smaller things that over time, as we're doing them, they will naturally start to build. And you get this momentum that builds to the point that you then find yourself with the the diversity philosophy, right? And and I think Mm -hmm. I really appreciated that she was like, but you have to, not every, and I think she she said this specifically, not everyone is, are are you two? Mm -hmm. Like not everyone is willing to 
call and reach out to someone who they don't know and say, hey, we're going to have an uncomfortable conversation that we're going to record and publish to the world. Would you like to participate? I just can't believe we <laughs> I'm so glad that we have, but I mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and I think because you, you and I, we talk about this a lot. We've talked about this before. Both of us, when I was at Microsoft, we, had the opportunity of working in together in the marketing um, marketing division with Chris Capasella, who is, who is one of the most phenomenal leaders I have, have ever worked with um, who created those spaces where he did exactly what we were doing, which was put himself out there to have the uncomfortable conversations with people and to create that safe space and to provide that example of what does it look like to have one of those uncomfortable conversations. And, and I just know that really fueled my desire and my willingness to even go down this path because, Mm -hmm. um, because they're, they're, they are uncomfortable questions. They are like, please just teach me something I don't know what I don't know. And I'm learning so much just by talking to you right now. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure there's more that I need to learn. Please just tell me, will you let me ask some of these questions that I have had? Yep. And and there was, I think, from an interviewer standpoint, one of my biggest takeaways was there is a lot to be said for the way that you present yourself in this kind of a conversation of humility and teachability and curiosity that I think makes it easier to have the conversation. I think it, yes, it makes it easier to have the conversation. And it also, I would hope, creates a space that Everyone is on the same page that there are no right or wrong <sighs> answers, but I, I want to say that, but yeah, there are wrong answers and there are right answers. Yeah. Um, but it needs to be in a space where I guess maybe everyone is on the same page that you are willing to listen. Yes. And it's not a combative trying to justify yourself and your own preconceived notions. I don't know. This is, um, this is just like in the interviews where I sit and say like, I don't know if what I'm going to say is going to be right. So I don't know, (laughs) but you know, I, I just think that there's such a value in coming into, and and this can go with so many different topics that you're going to be talking about with people from, any like any life experience is that you're you again and this is also something that we heard from a lot of our interviewees is you don't know what you don't know yep so ask the questions yep but don't ask the questions if you don't want to know the answer if you're looking for someone to affirm your answer you're approaching it all wrong Mm -hmm. you're not gonna get anywhere yeah which it's kind of funny to have to point that out to a bunch of market researchers whose mm-hmm. job usually is to say, um, 
I don't think the question you're asking is getting you is going to actually serve you in any way, shape or form. I don't like, what are you going to do with the data? You know, you can say that that's the same with having these conversations is when you entered these conversations, what are you planning on doing with the information? Mm-hmm. Are you using it to come up with counterpoints for every point that you hear from the person you're chatting with? Yeah. Or are you going to use the information to better educate yourself? Maybe you use the information to say, what books should I read? What blogs should I follow? What podcasts should I listen to? Where can I continue to learn so that I'm also not burdening you, one individual, with all of my questions? Like, I want to keep learning. How do I keep learning? Mm-hmm. And, also, and I, I think I will, that's a huge difference. I think to your huge point, because I, uh, that's a point that so many people miss and we're missing through the entire summer, fall, winter. It's not anybody's job to teach us anything, but um, please recognize that there are some really great search engines out <laughs> there that you can literally type in exactly what you're thinking and get a host of of resources, right? Ask your friends. This is such a topic that like people in the Latina, Latino community, it's a topic that people in the uh, accessibility space, it's a topic that people in the black community and the AAPI community have been talking to each other about for decades. And that we... Me, as a white woman, I don't talk to – I haven't in the past talked to my other white friends about what we think about what's going on in X, Y, or Z. That's a very privileged spot to come from. Right. Knowing that, you know, these conversations have been happening about life experiences for decades and ages like there are resources for you and please please be comfortable being uncomfortable please ask the questions of your friends that's I mean and this is something unrelated to the podcast but like I have started to ask my friends like oh well what books are actually this started because um we have a book club at work and yeah. we read like a new, like, so you want to talk about race or the new Jim Crow or um, right. uh, some other books and then right. we all talk about it. Yep. And so I mentioned that to a good friend of mine and she had mentioned, she's like, oh my gosh, I had to put together my own at my work. And I have a couple of friends, like, I want to know what books you're reading and like stuff like that. And we started talking about all of these books and resources that we have been accessing individually. And now we have this big long list of delicious resources to just enlighten and to continue learning. Like this is not done. We're not done. Nobody's done. Like, yeah. Yeah. Just talk to your friends, like talk to them. Yeah. You don't know. You don't know who else is thinking X, Y, or Z. You don't know who else has gone through whatever, Everybody has a different lived experience. Right. And just talk to them about what they're consuming because it's mind-blowing what you might be missing. 
or talk to them about what resources have they have they found yeah. that are useful in talking to their friends. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I think one of the things that I I I want us to to just chat on a little bit is that idea of being uncomfortable because mm-hmm. I think so often it comes from the standpoint of the interviewer. Yeah. And we we don't appreciate the fact that it goes both ways. Mm-hmm. The person, the people that we've interviewed have also, I mean, it, you can tell at the beginning of the interview, it's just like, okay, we promise we like to laugh. We promise like we're trying to set the stage to acknowledge that they are putting themselves out there to talk about an uncomfortable topic for them. Even if they're having those conversations with their peers, it still is uncomfortable for a whole host of reasons. This is like the, I think this is the first year for, um, and I've, I've heard this before from somebody in, like from a, a woman of color in that this year is the first time that conversations that she's had with her friends outside of work like she's now starting to adjust trying to get used to having these conversations inside of work because for so long that's just not been something that you can do or that she's comfortable in doing so I think it's like yes this trying to make sure that this was a safe as much but as much as oh it's so hard because as much as like we you and I are sponges and we are so open to hearing about what we're doing, maybe wrong, incorrectly, could be done better, um, both personally and like as an industry or whatever it is. Like we love asking questions. We love hearing. We love having all the conversations. This is a podcast that we're releasing into the world. And just because we are a safe space, like it doesn't mean that everybody feels comfortable or feels safe once this recording is done, right? Absolutely. It's just been so I'm so grateful for everybody that has listened and I'm so grateful for everybody that we spoke with. Yeah. That they were willing to give us their an hour and a half ish in Marianne's case a few days. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you Marianne of of their time to teach us when it's not their job. And and it was uncomfortable, and it was uncomfortable. But it was fun, and it was enlightening. And I think um, I'm grateful for all of them. You know, yeah. What I love is the feeling after each one of these conversations that we've recorded of that sense of relief after it's done, but also a sense of just made a new friend. I just made a new friend. You know, for for all of these for these guests that we've had, you know, um, there were different levels of of us knowing the individuals that we were talking to. But I, I personally, at least after every single one of them, felt like I'd love to just like hang out with you when all this is open and we can finally hang out together. I to hope London. that I run into you at a conference and we can London. happy hour at We're going to LA. We're going to <laughs> We're just going to take MR Explorer on the road and go actually meet our guests. <laughs> one-on-one because no one would buy tickets to this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We're going to happy hour. <laughs> oh, in a restaurant. <laughs> I can't wait. 
<laughs> I know. It would be amazing. Oh, man. Okay. I have a question for you. Yeah. Do you – can you recall a time over the last um, – this is how maybe we'll close. Yeah. Over the last six months since we've been talking to all of our new friends um, that you've used – or heard of somebody using what we talked about in one of our interviews? Yeah, actually, there. Uh, I have a coworker who, in fact, I think it was last week or the week before, she was catching up on our podcast and yet again sent a note to me. She's done this twice now. And it was, I just listened to your interview with, and she named the person, Um, and you're so right. We have so much work to do and it actually informing how she is approaching things like product development, sample development, how do we put, and this is internal to Zappi, which is just the icing on the cake for me that it's someone in the company that I work for who listens to this and has come to me a couple of times and said very specifically, I listened to that and it has opened the opportunity for me to realize where we can be improving as a company and what we could be doing. Mm-hmm. So that is, um, I mean, a- any podcast host is going to be just tickled pink to have someone say that they listened to it. The fact that there's someone who is just one person who is listening, who's like, and it's impacting how I approach my work mm-hmm. is yeah, it it just it makes my my day, my year, my month. <laughs> it just it makes all of this almost unreal to think there is actually like it's making a difference for even just one person. Yeah, I'm with you. I've used what we've learned specifically, well, a couple of times what we've learned from Pepper of the value of um, creating a space where people, really the Black community, can be together in shared experience and feel comfortable sharing their insights. Yeah. I've used that a couple of times, and it's just such a good insight. I just love it. And it's, yeah. it seems like something that is a no-brainer, of course, just like everything is that we've heard. Like, of course, of course. Right, right. Um, and the other... The other piece that I've used only because it hasn't been that long since we've talked to Marianne. <laughs> so I haven't yeah. been able to put in practice quite yet. Um, but what both both when we talked to Mario and the uh Melissa and Anaceli, we talked about Hispanic panels and how better to reach a Hispanic online audience and different tactics of surveying. Um, this audience that is can be very difficult to to find, yeah. Um, in a kind of a sample quality kind of way of making sure that you're hearing from the audience that you really want to be hearing from, and yeah. kind of the different ways that we talked about between those the two interviews and our three guests, you know, have been a conversation between mm-hmm. me and other coworkers of like what is the best way of approaching something like this. Um, because it is something that we need to look into and recognize that as much as, you know, we want to use traditional ways of sourcing insights, 
sometimes the traditional way of doing things is not the way that you should be doing things. Right. The tradi- well, we heard it in, in, I think, every interview. The traditional way that we've been doing things caters to the middle class white person. Thank you. That's what I was going to say, because who created the traditional way? Exactly. I mean, say traditional anything and you've got like a whole system built on the traditional white middle class family, a traditional family, a traditional yeah. thing, a traditional job, yeah. the traditional education. And it's time, I don't know, it's time to blow up tradition, I guess. It's time to, it's time to throw tradition out the window. I think so. I right. Think- it's, it's really time for us to, I think there's a reckoning to be had that in order for us to continue tradi- using the traditional sources, doing things in traditional ways means we are excluding a lot of voices that need to be included. Agree. So I think like, I think it's okay and we should recognize where we have missed in this series and where I think that we plan on going next season. Um we did not talk to any person from the AAPI community in this series. I want to rectify that. Z, I know you do too. Not rectify, yep. but invite multiple yep. voices to come and speak with us next um next time. Next yeah. Season. Um, and there's just so many more different life experiences to be heard and had. I think that both of us are okay acknowledging that these, how many interviews did we have? Five or six or episodes? We, of course, we didn't cover everything and we want to cover more and we want to continue having these conversations. So we are open to hearing feedback. We're open to hearing from um, anybody who could be possibly listening to this of what they appreciated, what was helpful for them listening to, if they've used anything in their personal or work life. Yeah. And um, the reckoning has to start with challenging your own pre-misconceptions of what you've thought that the world was made of. Yep. It's with cha- challenging your own privilege. I'm really looking forward to continuing to do that. I love doing it. I am too. Like I said, at the very beginning, we both learned a ton. And I think, I think part of what we learned is that we really enjoyed having these discussions and setting them up and learning from them. And I'm, I am just excited to continue doing that with, with all of our guests. There is going to be some element, no matter what the topic is, there's going to be some element of DEI that we bring up with our guests um, because it is a conversation that we're, we both expect to continue. We both fully intend to continue. Mm -hmm. And that I think, like you said, we've just barely scratched the surface on. There's so much more to learn. There's so much more to go. And yeah, just excited to be along on the ride. Thank you for having all of these really uncomfortable conversations with me. Thanks for being open to when I suggested maybe that we do this. And <laughs> not, not being afraid. Like, of course, like you never, you never would be. You're, uh, you're just a really great person to be able to have these conversations with all of our guests with. And I couldn't. Oh, thank you. I'm just grateful for that. Yeah, same. (sighs) All right. Well, please reach out to us. Visit all of the show notes for all of the folks that we've interviewed in the last six months. They all have 
incredible books, podcasts. They are sharing incredible content on LinkedIn and social media. Engage with them, hire them, like have right. like contract with them. They are um, they offer some really interesting and valued, highly highly valued perspectives. Absolutely. Couldn't have said it better. Well, thank you, Z. We will talk to you soon. And that's a wrap. Thanks for listening to today's episode of MR Explorer. You can find us online at mrxplorer, that's mrexplorer.com. Or you can find us on Twitter and LinkedIn. Links will be in the show notes. Please like, subscribe, and we look forward to exploring more topics about market research with you soon.